And let's clap to the risen Savior again today. So good to see you. Welcome to our last service. Go ahead and grab a seat. If you will, grab your Bibles. Turn with me to John chapter 20. And I'm so glad that you have joined us in our fourth service today. It's been a great day here at Eagles View Church. The stone has been rolled away. The tomb is empty. And because of Jesus being raised from the dead, we have hope. Amen. So glad that you are here. And it's just an honor to have you with us on this Easter Sunday morning. Thank you for being here with us. We have some of you who are guests, and I just want to welcome you. Hope that you have a great worship experience with us. And we're so glad that you have chosen to come and be with us here on this Easter Sunday. We are in the middle, or actually we're wrapping up a series this week called Lasting Impressions. And what we've been doing is, over the last several weeks, we've been looking at some of the lasting impressions that Jesus made on his followers in his last hours, in the last last conversations that Jesus had, and the last hours and ways that he demonstrated things before his followers. And we've looked at the impression of, of service and intimacy with God and love and the way that he loved his mother and took care of his family and and this morning, what we're going to be doing, from, from the journey to the cross, we've been to where Christ was on the cross and mentioned it is finished last week, and he shouted that out as we looked at that lasting impression of victory. And today, what we're going to be looking at is this lasting impression that Jesus gave his followers of hope that we have, even in the middle of times that might even seem a little bit hopeless. And Jesus left this imprint, this impression upon his followers that even when things seem like it's over and there's not any chance, there's not any hope in any kind of way, Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, that changes everything. And there may be something this morning that you're dealing with in your life that that maybe seems impossible as you're struggling with that. And you're looking at this and, and you could even be this morning, maybe a little bit discouraged about something that you're struggling with. I want you to know it's not an accident that you are here today. I've been praying for you. I've been praying that God this morning would, because of the story of Jesus, because of the story of the resurrection, that that would infuse you with some encouragement, with some life, and that you would experience some hope on this Easter Sunday morning. Now, next week, we're going to be starting a brand new series. I'm really excited about it. Our staff's excited about it. It's a series called One, and we're going to be taking a look at what God's Word has to say about the marriage relationship but not only just the marriage relationship, but the opportunity that each of us has to have a relationship with God. And we're going to be talking about that. And I know a lot of people, uh, even within our own church, struggle through that marriage relationship and, and, and other relationships as well. And we're going to be talking about that. What does God's word have to say about that? So I hope that you will be back next week as we begin to, to talk about that, as we be, begin to look in God's word together in this new series called One. All right, so grab your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 20. We're going to be looking at a few different passages of Scripture. And uh, as you're turning there in your Bibles, I heard the story about a guy who had this dog that was just kind of known in their neighborhood for always getting into trouble. He was always tearing something up. He, he'd really kind of given this guy a little bit of a bad name in his community, in his neighborhood. And his neighbors were put out with him because his dog was always doing something. He'd become notorious and, and uh, for, for always tearing up the trash or getting into things that he's not supposed to get into. And, and this guy's trying to repair some of these relationships that he had with his neighbors. And, and, but unfortunately, the dog dog just always got him in trouble. 
And so this guy uh, is thinking the things are okay, and he's sitting on his front porch, and, and he's just kind of relaxing, and he's just kind of enjoying the afternoon, and he looks across the yard, and he sees his dog, his dog coming across the yard with uh, something in his mouth. And he's like, what in the world is in his mouth? What is that? And he looks over there and he sees his dog coming across the yard. His dog had gotten out. His dog is coming across the yard and he has a dead bunny rabbit in his mouth. And he's like, oh, no. What am I going to do? Oh, my goodness. He he remembers that his next door neighbor, Charlie, had a a, a pet bunny rabbit. And he's like, oh, this is going to be it. I'm toast. You know, I can't believe this idiot dog has gotten this guy's rabbit and he's killed it. What am I going to do? And so the dog comes over and he lays it down at his feet, you know, like he's done something. He's like, you stupid dog. You're you're just killing my reputation in the community. What in the world? And so my dad has always told me this, that desperate people will go to desperate measures. They will do desperate things, right? Okay. And, and, And this is so true. And he's like, what am I going to do? I've got to figure something out. And so he starts scheming a little bit and he's thinking about this and he comes to him. So he takes the dead rabbit into his house and he puts it in the sink and he, and he washes this rabbit and it's all, you know, it'd been kind of slobbered on and it's kind of muddy. And so he takes it and he, he washes it, this dead rabbit in his sink. He takes some shampoo and he, and he kind of is massaging the dead rabbit and he takes a little conditioner and then he takes a, a hair dryer. Uh, I said a hair dryer. Okay. Help me out here. Third, fourth service. And, and he blow dries the hair. He teases it all up. Okay. And he puffs it all up. The little rabbit's, you know, looking more and more alive. He's looking a little sick now, but, uh, but, but still he's looking alive and he's like, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this thing. I'm going to put it back in my neighbor's little rabbit hutch over there and he'll never know any different. And so he takes that rabbit. He sneaks over there. His neighbor's not home from work yet. He puts it in there. He props him up in there. He puts a little carrot next to him. He looks all cute and dead. And, uh, and he's thinking when he, when he sees him, he's going to think that his his, his little bunny rabbit just died in the middle of the night, okay? Or maybe that he got choked on some of the carrot or something like that. And so he does it and he goes back across. And he thought, man, I'm home free. My dog's home free. I'm home free. This is going to be just fine. Everything's going to work out. And so he goes back and he's sitting on, on his front porch. And he noticed a neighbor drives up. Neighbor shows up and, and uh, a few minutes go by and neighbor finally goes goes out in the backyard and he hears this blood curdling scream. He hears, ah, and he go, he kind of gets curious. He walks over and wonders if he's busted and he goes over there. He's like, Charlie, what's going on? Something something happened to your rabbit. And, and, And his neighbor goes, this rabbit, he said he died three days ago and I buried him with my own hands. And now he's back. He's back. You see, here's the deal. Again, people who are desperate will oftentimes do desperate kinds of things. And, uh, and let me just, I'm just curious to know. Now, don't, don't forget, you're in church this morning, so no, no lying, okay? How many of you would try something like that? Anybody in here? You, 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 I knew there were a few of you, all right? Every service, there's been at least a few that would try something like that. And here's the deal, guys. I, I've been uh, the pastor of Eagles View Church now, believe it or not, for 13 years now. 13 years our church has been going and we've, we've seen God do a lot of things. And I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about all that God is doing here. But here is something that has just been something I've encountered every year as a pastor here. It's been something that I've encountered every year that I've been in the ministry. Is I have opportunity to talk to a lot of different folks. 
And here is the thing is that there are a lot of people who are very discouraged at where they are in their lives today. And they feel kind of desperate and they feel this, this, this point of, of hopelessness in their life. There's maybe something that's going on in their life that really has them down. And, and, and I'm not talking about just folks that maybe don't even have a relationship with God. I'm talking about people who are Christ followers that, that continuously walk around feeling discouraged. And there are all kinds of things that can discourage us. I know that in a group this size, in all of our services that we've had today, there have been some who would say that they were discouraged because of a relationship that that maybe is is not going well, or it could be a marriage relationship, or it could be a relationship that's fallen apart with a with a, a sibling or with a with a parent or whatever. And maybe it is a marriage relationship. Thus, the reason for us having this series that we're starting next week, and I encourage you to consider getting involved and in coming to that. But there may be some that just feel kind of hopeless about a relationship that they're in and they think man this is the same problem year after year nothing ever seems to change you know and here we are and so a lot of times what happens is those marriages oftentimes they they might dissolve there may be some that they just resolve to just kind of go through life and they're miserable and and they're dealing with all kinds of issues maybe it's it's issues of trust i don't know what it could be but but there are all kinds of reasons that people get discouraged and maybe that's you this morning Maybe you're a little bit discouraged about something that you've experienced there. I know that, that based upon what's happened in our economy in the last several years, that there are some of you this morning that you're discouraged about finances. And maybe you've gotten in debt, and, or maybe you've been in debt, and you're dealing with creditors, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to get through this, and you're feeling hopeless in a situation that you're experiencing. It may be because you lost a job. I mean, this is indicative of our society and what we're experiencing now in our culture today is that a lot of people have lost jobs and they're struggling with that. And, and, and for some, maybe their identity was even wrapped up within their job and they're dealing with that. Listen, that's something that's very common today as people are struggling with financial problems. They're struggling with job problems. And you may even be thinking, man, I, I, I can't believe that this has happened to me and that I'm struggling with a job situation now. Maybe you've been uh, at a place where you had job security for a long time and recently you've gone through something that's gotten you very discouraged by either loss of job or something that's going on at your job. And you're just kind of feeling hopeless today. You know, again, we we've seen this happen to folks right here within our church. And 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 one of the ladies within our church felt very strongly about starting a group for those who are going through that. It's called Doors of Opportunity. Those that are going through a, a, a job search right now and they get together a couple times a month and they pray for each other and they they network and they help each other. And and what that tells me is that there are folks that are really struggling right now. And, and, and that may be you. I know that. Uh, I was feeling quite hopeless a few days ago whenever I filled my truck up with gas. I'm sure some of you can relate to that, okay? And some of you, this is something that I was thinking about this week. Some of you, you may feel kind of this sense of discouragement. And it may not be anything that you're personally going through other than you're watching your kids go through something. And that's tough. You know, when we go through something difficult in our lives and, and we're struggling with it, we almost feel like we have a little bit of, at least a little bit of control in some ways, although we really don't. But, but when you watch your kids go through something, you feel really a sense of powerlessness. 
and you feel hopeless. And maybe, maybe some of you this morning, you've got kids that are struggling and you're watching that and you feel hopeless today about what you're watching them go through. Maybe they're going through a problem at school or a problem with friends and, and they're dealing with that. And, and, and some of you are struggling with that this morning. That's tough. It's really tough to watch your kids go through something. It could be medical problems that has you feeling discouraged. And, you know, it could be that you uh, have been struggling with an addiction and, and you're uh, coming back to that over and over and you feel hopeless and like you can't get past that. Maybe you're watching a family member or a friend go through that. And it's tough. It's tough as you deal with that and you feel like there's no hope for change. There may be some of you that are here today and, and this is something that I was thinking about as, as, as well is that you may be surrounded by a great group of people and you may be surrounded with lots of folks in your life, but, but there's something that's just not right within your own spirit and within your own heart and you're kind of struggling and you're feeling a sense of discouragement and you can't even put your finger on it to, to figure out what it is and maybe you're kind of dealing with a little bit of burnout. You know, and, and you say, how do, how do you know, you know uh, about that? Well, I, I'll even share a little bit more here in just a minute. But I experienced that personally last year. And I shared it with our church family that I personally was going through something within my own life where I was trying to figure out what's going on within me. I can't figure out why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling and come to find out that I was dealing with some burnout. I've been doing this for a long time with, 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 with not a good time of break and, and taking care of myself in that sense. And, and you know, and some, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, I don't know if people really are as, as hopeless as, as maybe you're making them out to be, Bart. And, 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 and there are a lot of folks that feel pretty good about life. I'm not saying you may be that. And if that's you, praise the Lord for that. But here's the thing is my response, though, would be, why then are there record numbers of Americans that are taking and in need of prescription anxiety medications as well as as antidepressants. And that's not a condemnation for anybody that's taking those. Just saying that it's just kind of indicative of what's happening within our culture today. The pace of our society is is incredible. I mean, it's so fast paced and it's so busy and people are just trying to get by and get through life and and, and, and they're trying to hold down a job and they're racing to all the different things that are in their lives and jockeying the kids all over the town, to all the different things, trying to have relationships and all this is going on. And it's really easy in the midst of all of it to get a little bit discouraged. Just to kind of say, man, I just feel a little bit lost in this. And so many folks are living, I, I would even characterize it this way, kind of quiet lives of desperation and inside there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of brokenness many feel a sense of feeling pretty hopeless and just maybe you're struggling with that but you know what i want to give you some good news the good news is this is that jesus came into this world for people just like i described he came into this world for us for you, for those that are struggling, for those who are broken, for those who are hurting this morning or in your lives. I was, I was just reading my Bible, uh, just not for a sermon preparation or anything like that. It's important that we read God's word as we did this last series about God's word. I was reading it for just my own personal devotion. And I came across this scripture earlier this week and I thought, wow, 
that really describes the heart of God. That really describes the heart of our Savior. And it describes what a lot of people are really struggling with. This isn't our main text today, but in Matthew chapter 12, this is what I came across. And I had to share it with you today because it's just like perfectly fits what we're talking about today. It says this, Jesus has just healed a man whose hand was withered up and he healed him on the Sabbath. The religious leaders were upset. They were they hated Jesus and they were wanting to to crucify him. They were wanting to to, uh, you know, to kill him because of their jealousy for him. And Jesus is healing people. He's healing those that are hurting and broken. And 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 this is what Matthew describes Jesus at this point. It says in verse 17, it says this, it says this fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Hey there, hey, you are, we're, God got our attention, right? Okay, it fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. This is talking about Jesus. Now, this is what I really thought was very powerful right here. It said he will, and this, this prophecy was 750 years before Christ was ever even born. It says he will not crush the weakest reed. And I thought this was so interesting or put out a flickering candle. Another way it says a smoldering wick that he will not do this. And and and, and I, I was thinking, you know, this this is someone that this is someone that's kind of feels a little broken. Someone that that feels like they're just kind of barely getting by where that where that flame is just kind of flickering and it's not a strong flame. It's just kind of barely getting by. And I thought this is so powerful right here. It says in verse 20 and 21, it says, finally. He will cause justice to be victorious. And let's read this next part out loud together. What does it say? And his name will be the hope of all the world. His name will be what? It will be the hope. It'll be the hope of all the world. And I thought that says it right there. It shows us the heart of God that the name of Jesus, the death and the burial, the resurrection, who Christ is, that's our hope. Even in the midst of hopelessness, I want, to, I want to tell you this morning that if you are feeling discouraged, or maybe some of you, you're feeling a lot discouraged. And you're feeling this sense of, of struggle. And it was, it's difficult for you to even get out of bed. And, and you're trying to just get through. Then I want you to know that, that, listen, I want you to know that God has you here today for a reason. And He wants to, and it's been our prayer, that He would infuse hope in the midst of whatever situation you find yourself in. It's not an accident that you're here this morning. Just a few things I want to share with you is this, is that the night before Jesus was crucified, he's with his closest followers and he made this lasting impression upon them. He, he said some words to them that they didn't get and understand at the time. He'd been telling them all along that he was going to suffer. And that he was going to go through some uh, this this death and 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 this this torture and all of this and his disciples did not understand what was happening. They didn't get the full implications of his words and 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 Jesus knew this that within just a few hours, his own disciples were going to be having a sense of hopelessness and panic and despair, and 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 it's amazing because at this point. As they are talking and as they are discussing this, as they're in this, in, in this time where they're spending together, they're even arguing about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. And, and so there's this confidence. They're almost a little bit cocky. And, and they're, they're jockeying for position here. And Jesus is, is, is about to get them ready. 
and he's trying to get them ready because they're about to feel a sense of discouragement and despair because of what he's about to go through. He says this in John 14. He says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. He says this, I'll not abandon you. you you're going to feel like you're all by yourself, but I'll not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And he says, soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And now look at what he says next. He says this, since I live, what does he say? You also will what? You will live. Since I live, you also will live. And when I am raised to life again, he said, you will know that I am in my father and you're in me and I'm in you. He says, guys, what you're going to be going through in the coming hours is going to seem like a hopeless situation. You're going to be going through something, but because of my death, because of the burial uh, and because of my resurrection, you're going to be able to have hope. You're going to be able to have a brand new life. And, and, and just because it's going to seem like it's over doesn't mean it's over. The Lord can infuse life into, into any hopeless situation. And although there may be some of you that are saying, yeah, I kind of feel that sense of discouragement or I'm a little bit broken. But there may be some that are here this morning that are saying, you know what, I don't really feel that. I'm good. I mean, life is good right now. Uh, I've got a great home. I've got a great family. We're in good health. And, you know, compared to the rest of the world, honestly, we're all doing pretty well. We're doing okay. But it doesn't mean that there aren't folks that aren't hurting. But there's some that are saying, you know what? I'm doing okay. I'm living the good life. It's all good. And But here's the thing. What if, in spite of all those exterior things that are going on, what if there's something more? What if there's something more to... What it is that, that you've experienced. I've, I've always been fascinated with this, this article. Um, I've, I've, I've read it to uh, our church at one time before. But I just wanted to bring this back before you. It's a, an interview of an article that, that happened uh, uh, with Brad Pitt in Rolling Stone magazine years ago. And it's just fascinating what he has to say. And uh, I, sometimes people confuse uh, me with Brad Pitt when I'm out in the community. And so I've really related to this. And um, I'm sorry if you just threw up in your mouth. And uh, sorry about that. But, but, but seriously, okay, here is what he had to say. He's sharing very candidly, very honestly about his thoughts on the American dream. And he's talking about this, this thing that everyone's chasing after. And, and it's really, it's, it's gut level honest. And, 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 and I was reading this going, wow, he's, he's really nailing the way that a lot of people feel. And, and, and this is what he's experienced and what he's, what he's feeling himself. These are the words of one of the biggest celebrities of our generation. And this is what he says. This is it, literally a quote in this magazine, Rolling Stone. He says, this is, these are his words. Man, I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us. The car, the condo, our version of success. But if that's the case... Why is the general feeling out there reflecting more impotence and isolation and desperation and loneliness? If you ask me, I say toss all this. And then he says this. We've got to find something else. Because all I know is, it, is that at this point in time, we are heading for a dead end. That sounds pretty hopeless. We're heading for a dead end. A numbing of the soul. A complete atrophy of the spiritual being. And this, these are his words. And I don't want that. That's from one of, the, one of the most popular celebrities of our generation, of our time. 
And he says, I don't want that. So the, so the Rolling Stone guy who's doing the interview with him says this. He says, so if we're heading toward this kind of existential dead end in society, what do you think should happen? And these are his words. These are Brad Pitt's words. He said, hey, man, I don't have the answers yet. And then he says, the emphasis now is on success and personal gain. And in the interview, it says that he smiles. And this is what he says. I'm sitting in it and I'm telling you that's not it. I mean, those are striking words. He says this, I'm the guy who's got everything. Everything I know of, but what I'm telling you is that once you've got everything, then you're left with yourself. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep any better and you don't wake up any better because of it. I mean, that's pretty powerful. It's pretty interesting to hear that. In fact, it reminded me a lot of uh, our study in the book of Ecclesiastes that we did a while back is Solomon, another guy who was the celebrity of his time, who had everything, tried everything, had more money than he knew what to do with, had women, had all of these things that he was trying to find meaning and fulfillment. And what was the whole point of that book of Ecclesiastes? What did Solomon say? It's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. And this is a common thread, a common theme that, that, that folks feel, this sense of hopelessness it's a sense of despair and i want to give you just a couple of things to take away that we that we can take away because of the resurrection of jesus if you're taking some notes and we're going to look in john 20 here in a second i want you to know this that because of the resurrection in your life you can have this you can have first you can have a meaning and you can have purpose you can have meaning and purpose in your life, all right? So go with me back to the room where the disciples had the supper with Jesus. The crucifixion has happened. These guys are despondent. And here they are. They, they had no idea what they were supposed to be doing right now. And, it, and they were holed up in this little upper room together. And they were feeling such despair and hopelessness. They were young men that at one moment they were confident and cocky and feeling like they were on top of the world. The next thing you know, the rug is yanked out from under them and they're going, what do we do? In fact, I would say this. They probably even thought these thoughts right here, and some of you can relate to this. They probably thought, how in the world did we end up here? And, and a lot of people think that on a regular basis. How in the world did I end up here? This isn't how I planned my life. This isn't what I thought life would look like. You're looking at it now going, this isn't what I saw 10 years ago. And this is where I'm at. And you're discouraged and you're going, man, how did I end up here? You feel hopeless. But I want you to know because of the resurrection, because of Jesus coming back, that we have meaning, we can have purpose. And so Jesus, these guys are, he shows up. These guys are scared. They're terrified. They're feeling a sense of, 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 of that it's pointless. And in fact, if you know anything about the scriptures, you know that Peter, he had a monumental failure and, and he denied Christ. And he was the most confident at this point saying, I'll die with you. And he denies Christ. And, and even after Jesus comes to them and he feels this, he still thinks I, I, I'm useless. And what does he do? He goes back to fishing. And Jesus comes and he restores him. That's a whole other message. It's a great message on forgiveness and restoration. But, but here's the thing. He's going to leave this impression. Jesus is that because he's raised that things can begin to change. John 20 verse 19. He says this. It says that Sunday evening. That is the Sunday evening of the resurrection. It says that Sunday evening. The disciples were meeting behind locked doors. 
You know why the doors were locked? It's because they were terrified. (laughs) They were afraid that what had happened to Jesus was about to happen to them. They were meeting behind locked doors, which means nobody can get in, right? Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. And and listen, that was powerful effect, wasn't it? That was awesome. Can you do that some more, Lord? That helps, okay? And uh, Jesus was standing there among them. And listen, for some of you, it could be this, that this is the message that you need today, is that you're in the middle of all this. You feel like you're uh, by yourself. You feel like you're alone, and you feel like it's impossible for... And listen, Jesus is alive. He's, he's standing in this room. He's here with us today. And what he says to you is the same thing he said to them. Peace be with you. Which tells me this. They certainly were not at peace. And he's saying peace be with you. And if you keep reading, here's what he says. Peace be with you. He says, and as he spoke, man, what a scene. He showed them the wounds in his hands. And in his side, Thomas wasn't with them at this point. And, and, and he, you know, that he was struggling with doubt and he was discouraged. And later he would show up and the Lord would, would, would show him this. And, of course, the Lord would say, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's talking about us. Those that see and we believe. And he goes on, he says, they were what now? They had gone from despair. They'd gone to all this. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Now they were filled with joy. Now they had a sense of purpose. And he said, again, he said, peace be with you. And I love this next part because he's going to give them a mission. He says, as the father has sent me, say the next part with me out loud. What does he say? So I am sending you. I give you a purpose. I give you meaning. Jesus said, I have come and I've completed the mission. It's finished. I've done it. I've I've conquered death. I've, I've conquered sin. You've been restored back to God. Now, just as the, as the Father gave me a mission, now I give you a mission. I give you a purpose. If you're a Christ follower, listen, you have a greater purpose. You have this great purpose. And, 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 and there's not anything that can take this away from you. And, and, and I love this passage of Scripture uh, because it reminds us what our purpose is. But, but listen, the greatest tragedy in life is not death. The greatest tragedy in life is going through your life and not knowing what you're here for. As the Lord says, okay, you better take heed of that. All right? It's not knowing what you're here for. So people who feel hopeless will try all kinds of different ways to... To find meaning in their life. They'll try money. They'll try accomplishment. They'll try a promotion. And, and you know what? All those things. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if you're trying to find your sense of purpose and meaningless and meaning in all of these kinds of things. You're going to be disappointed. Because they don't last. You're going to end up being disappointed. I love what the Bible has to say. Peter, after he'd been restored, he later on ended up writing this. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, he talks about how we have this meaning and purpose, how it can begin. He says in in 1 Peter 1, he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this. He says, It is by His great mercy that we have been, we've been what? We've been born again. That's a brand new start. 
Why? Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I love this next part. Now we live with great expectation. When is now? It's right now. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and beyond the reach of decay. If you were to read 1 Peter, what you'd find is that Peter's talking to a group of people. They were going through terrible hardships. And he's saying that you can even have hope even in the midst of that. Because you've been born again. Because you've been sealed in Christ. Nothing can take your eternity uh, in God away. Your, your, your salvation. Nothing can take this away. You've been sealed. It's undefiled. It's beyond the reach of change. It's beyond the reach of decay. Not conflict. No problem. Not death. Not persecution. He says right now you can live with expectation and with hope. You can live with this. I love this. He says because he's raised because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. We can be born again. All right, now help me out as we're kind of coming, to, getting ready to bring this to the close here. Everyone be honest with me because you're in church. How many of you have ever done something stupid in your life? Would you just raise your hand? Okay, everyone's been honest today. And, and we didn't even need any thunder for emphasis today, okay, or anything like that. Or lightning, okay. And uh, now, and so I appreciate your honesty. How many of you are sitting next to someone that you know that they've done something stupid, okay? Would you just lift your hands up? You can lift your hands up, okay? You've got regrets. They've got regrets. The reality is, is that we've all messed up, right? We all have, okay? We've all messed up. We've all done stupid things. Some of us have, have, have done terrible things in our past. Some of us have a terrible past. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, even dumb decisions, bad mistakes, our sins, our faults, our failures, whatever you want to call these things, because of the resurrection of Jesus, you can start over. You get a do-over. You get a fresh start, a brand new opportunity in the spirit of the masters that's going on, right? Anybody watching that? Anybody watching? Okay, a few of you are, all right? And um, as you're watching the spirit of the masters, you get a mulligan. Everybody know what a mulligan is? All right. I especially know what a mulligan is because I use them. All right. If you play golf, some of you are going, I don't know what that is. If you play golf and you're playing with a group of people and they know that you really stink, okay, like I do, then what they say is this, is after you hit a really bad shot, they say, you know what? Why don't you take another shot? Okay. We won't even count that one against you. And that's, in essence, what the Lord does for us whenever he, he wipes it out. He, he gives us a fresh start. He, it's called God's grace in our lives. You say, how do I get it? It's not by what you do or how often you go to church or, or how good of a person you are, any of those kinds of things. It's, it's you believing and receiving this gift of salvation that God gives us through his grace. That's why it's so amazing. You get something you don't deserve when you believe in Christ as a son of God. He instantly gives you a brand new heart, a brand new life. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, For what I received, he says, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins. We've been talking about that according to the scriptures. That he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter. 
and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And then he says this, and the last of all, last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And he says in verse nine, for I am, and you can sense this remorse in Paul's life. He had a a messed up past. He'd been involved in some terrible things and persecuting God's people. And he had been involved in murder and all kinds of horrible things. And he says, for I am the least of the apostles and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I love this verse. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. And that would be what God does in our life. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Not because of what I've done. Grace is us getting something we don't deserve. He gives me purpose. He gives me eternal life. He gives me new meaning. And here's the final thing. If you are a Christ follower, what he wants to give you today in your life, because of the resurrection, you can experience and live with his resurrection power in your everyday life. He wants to be the source of your living. After Jesus' resurrection from the dead, he met up with these disciples and he gave them a big mission and he gave them purpose. And he said, I want you to go and I want you to tell everybody about what I've done. Go all over the world. And I mean, tell everybody. I don't know about you. That's a pretty big job. And their lives were literally under threat of death and persecution because of Jesus. And it had been really easy to get overwhelmed and say, "I, I don't know if we can fulfill what he's called us to do. But he said, I'm going to give you power. In Acts 1.8, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you shall be my witnesses. You're going to have this resurrection power. The only way you're going to be able to fulfill what I've called you to do is you're not going to be able to do it on your own power. You're going to have to do it through my power. You notice that whenever you're a little low kind of on energy, You're kind of running on your own juice or whatever. You're running on your own energy that little problems turn into big problems. And your patience wears thin. You're short with people around you. And and, and you've got this feeling in your mind that there's this alarm that's kind of going off. Something's wrong. You don't quite know what it is. And I'll tell you what it is because I've experienced it personally is that you're running on your own power. You're running on your own power and your your own power is, is, is running out. And you're running on fumes. And you're never meant to live on that as a Christ follower. You have the power of the resurrection that's been made available to you. For personal experience, I experienced this uh, last, early last year in, and, and in, in 2010. I started just, as I've shared with many of you, I started going through a time in my life where I was just going, man, something is not right. I'm not feeling right. I'm not feeling good. And, you know, I'm kind of going through the motions. And, and it, it actually took me this, to this place of, of feeling this sense of hopelessness. And feeling like, I don't know how I, I can continue to do this. And I, it took me literally disconnecting from everything. From everything, not my family or not from God, but disconnecting from ministry for a period of time. And, and, and in that time, realizing as God showed me, Bart, you've been trying to do all of this on your own power. You're running on your own power. You're not meant to do this on your own power. You're not going to make it if you do this on your own power. And it was in that time that I said, God, I need you to fill me full of your resurrection power in life again. 
And I confess that to you, and Lord, and, and I praise the Lord. I feel renewed. I feel spiritually renewed. I, I feel invigorated. I, I, know that it's, I know that it's because it's God's power in my life. It's not mine. Because I don't have anything good to give, is what I learned in that. I have nothing good to give. Paul said this. He said, last scripture for you today. Paul said in Philippians, Paul said, I want to know Christ. And experience the mighty what? The mighty power that raised him from the dead. But it doesn't come from religion. It doesn't come from being good. It doesn't come from how often you go to church. And those are all things that we encourage you to do, you know, is to come to church and to live a moral life. It doesn't come from that, though. Paul says it comes from the power in knowing Christ in a real way. In knowing him. In a day-to-day kind of way. You may have come to this service today and, and uh, you're kind of, maybe somebody made you come. I don't know. Um, some of you, maybe you just kind of, you're going through the motions. You came because it's what you do on Easter is you go to church. And, but, but you've discovered this, that you really are. You're kind of worn out. And you're feeling kind of, of powerless this morning. You're feeling kind of hopeless. Maybe you're feeling like giving up. But what I encourage you to do today is to come to God. And, and maybe it's the marriage situation, maybe it's the financial situation, or some relationship, or, or some other thing that's going on in your health, or some other problem. But because of the resurrection, even though you feel hopeless, you feel like it's over, it's not over even when it seems like it's over. This morning, I just want to encourage us just to take time just to bow our heads in prayer, if you'll pray with me. As we pray together... I want to remind you of the passage that we that we started with in Matthew that I was reading this week that said this, that he will not crush the weakest reed. He will not extinguish or put out a flickering candle. And if that's kind of how you've been feeling, he came for you, he came to encourage you. He came to to bring you hope. The end of that scripture, he says, in my name, you will put your hope. In my name, that's where you put your hope. The greatest message of Easter is that if Jesus was powerful enough to move the stone and overcome the grave, then he is certainly powerful enough to move the stones that are blocking whatever it is that's going on in my life. 